Welcome down to the swab with Georgie Carroll. We all know nurses have the best stories, so why don't you come have a listen? Good day and welcome down to the swab. Today we have a guest uh, all the way over the pond, over a few ponds, over a big ocean. He is uh, originally from Australia and he's landed himself in Tucson, Arizona. Would you welcome to the swab uh, as Del Pino. Good day, Del. As, how are you going? <laughs> G'day, Georgie. Thanks for having me. Oh, the, the, the full, the full disclosure to any of the listeners, we're going to be giggling a bit because uh, we've just done a good good 10 minutes of chatting without recording anything because um, I forgot to press. I don't think I forgot. I don't know what happened. It just didn't record. The tech issue. We were just a getting to know issue. each other. Well, we didn't kill anyone. So, just, you know... Um, I'll tell you a little bit about as anyway, seeing as I've had a 10 minute chat, I know a little bit about them already, <laughs> which is you know good. A more. You've been in America for three years. Um, yeah, I feel like right. I'm introducing you on a dating site now. You've been in America <laughs> for three years uh, after working in WA as a nurse since 2014. Mm-hmm. And, you, right. and you've got a, a little three week old baby in the house somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. So my wife is uh, trying to keep her quiet. So hopefully there's no screams or any uh, any little noises coming from her. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty easy at that age. You just stick a tit in it, don't you? And it's yeah, yeah, pretty quiet. much, pretty much. Pretty yeah, easy. A, you could let magical. me scratch on you. It wouldn't matter. Um, <laughs> congratulations on your baby for a start. Thank you. Thank you. We're really mm-hmm. excited. It's a big adjustment. We have a, a little American here. So uh yeah, it's a, I never would have envisioned having a little American citizen, but uh, this is where I am at the moment, me and my wife. Yeah, we're just embracing it and yeah, we're going yeah. with it. And then we will go through the process of getting her to become Australian. So Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we, we need more Australians. Here. Bring her back. That's, <laughs> That's the plan. Beautiful. That is a plan. You moved to America because, talk me through that. <sighs> And I mean, that's that's what that's the key question. Everyone asks me that over here. Why the heck would you move to Tucson? You know, I think for me, it was um, I just wanted something different. So me and my wife were kind of at that point in our careers where we had a couple of years experience under our belt. She's not a nurse, just, uh, you know, for anyone concerned. What is she apart from the, her fa- fabulous mother? What is she at the minute? <laughs> so she managed to get a job in a uh, in a startup company, like a software based company right. that works in in some like. Uh, apartment complex stuff yeah. so the US based job that she's doing really well in so it's great for her yeah so that's what she does when she's not not a mum so you needed a change we needed a change we wanted a lifestyle change we wanted to mix it up a little bit and and uh and we kind of did we did look at the UK initially but that was a uh, very cliche a lot of Aussies go over there well so you dodged the bullet even though there's more guns in America you did dodge a bullet uh, <laughs> by not going to the NHS I thought we'd just mix it up a little bit and, and it was harder to get in here. So I thought, it's a bit of a challenge. Let's go to a non-Commonwealth country and see what that looks like. Yeah. Um, and we... neither of us had really been or travelled here. So we thought, let's let's explore this continent over a period of time. So that's kind of what led us to, you know, the adventure, the interest. Um, we didn't just want to do like a, a six-week trip over here. We wanted to kind of live, live the experience. Um, yeah, which is which is great. We've uh, we've loved it. There's been those highs, there's been the lows, but it's been well. Fantastic. In terms of in terms of anyone who's thinking of going working in America in healthcare, what were the what's the good things? What's the draws? What's the bad things? What sure sure. Uh, you know, I think I think there's definitely is an adjustment process, uh, and and you kind of need to give it that grace, right? So it took me a little while just to kind of process how things operated differently. Uh, you know the obviously the whole healthcare system the degree of patients and then I'm in a place yeah we'll get into that in a minute like we will yeah I'm so bad Um, go on 
but, but pros wise, you know, like there is some really good employment opportunities. The demand here is is phenomenal. You know, prior to me coming on, there was 80,000 nurses in demand. And I would imagine that that figure is far higher after COVID. So, you know, there's there's plenty of opportunities because uh, with that demand, they, they obviously are willing to pay for your services. So you've got pretty much job security Go anywhere. On. Don't tell me what you earn. But <laughs> tell me what you earn, but what are we talking? Is it what percentage wise on top of Australia are you getting? You don't yeah, know. Now I'm trying to now I'm trying to remember back, but um I think what the difference is, it's not really in the, the annual kind of like that we're looking at. I think the the dollar value is not too different. It's the bonuses. So when they're desperate, so at the moment the hospital I'm at, they're desperate for the nurses to work. So they'll give an extra five hundred dollars a shift. They're like, if you can work this, there's an extra five hundred dollar bonus. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, that's that's kind of where you can like make that extra dollar is by by signing up some of those extras and and stuff. Exactly, exactly. So, and then you know, you can negotiate your wage as well, which is just unheard of. I don't do that in the public health system; it doesn't work. So, I was able to negotiate a wage, and um, you know, the director that I was working with said, "Oh, she kind of ballparked it," and she said, "Oh, the earlier part of this number." And I was like, "Nah, I'm gonna gonna shoot high," and it was HR's decision, so I I kind of shot high and. And then we met in between and it was far higher than what she wanted. So it was good to be able to... I feel, I feel like I'm not madly a business person. I'd need some kind no. of, like, I'd, I'd like need some moneyball person. I'd need somebody, yeah. you know, just doing me negotiating. <laughs> like, an hey, a everything's, on a, everything's on a podcast, Georgie, and I listened to a podcast that taught me how to, how to you know, negotiate. And I, uh, I, I did that and I kind of drew the hard line and I said, this is my worth, this is what I bring to the team. I think you don't have unions then. Well, they do, they do, but it's not true. like Australia, not like Australia. They uh, the hospital got unionized while I was there, and and there was like, you know, like a split. Like I don't want it to be unionized. I do want it to be unionized, and I I don't know how to perceive that because my opinion of a union is very very different uh, coming from Western Australia. I love a union. Fantastic union. You know, we we they, I credited them for that fourteen percent rise that we got before I started my nursing. So. Yeah. You know, they, they were fantastic. But over here, it's you're either for them or you're against them. You know, yeah. California is very pro-union and they have very good, like, nursing ratios and their nursing environment is fantastic. It also pays well, but California but I've is heard expensive. I've heard the holidays are rubbish. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty true, to be honest. <laughs> Do you get, so did you get paternity leave? No, no, I didn't. No, not at all. Uh, that's just not a, it's not really a thing. But typically... Paid time off is about two weeks a year. Uh, and then the longer you're at a hospital, it increases. But I'm never in a place long enough to earn that, you know. I kind of like to keep oh, moving yeah. and do different things. Yeah, so paternity th- paternity leave is not really a thing. Uh, maternity leave is very limited over here. So my wife is in a hybrid company with her job. Yeah. So she, because it's partly Australian, she gets the luxury of the Australian maternity leave. So we have to be delicate how we talk about that because it's very, very generous compared to what the Americans get. Um, you know, one of my nursing friends on the similar contract to me, uh, I think it was like 12 weeks that she managed, but she had to kind of like drop down. No. And it was like, a lot of it was very, very limited with pay. I would say the majority, I don't say you get paid the whole time, but the majority in Australia seemed to take a year. So whatever it yeah. is in their world that's let them do that, whether it be work or, and anything up until yeah. the baby's five, pretty much the shift work has to fit in around your life. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not the case over here. It's it's very different. So, you know, I think yeah. further down the track, looking down the big picture, ultimately the lifestyle in Australia is appealing. Yeah. Uh, when you weigh up kind of job and stuff like that, pros and cons, I think the lifestyle in Australia is right up our alley. 
Cool. We we have a better work life balance in Australia. That is for sure. I noticed that when I came from England, I was like, I couldn't believe yeah. that people could get every Wednesday off to play netball. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. that that was unheard of. Yep, the amount of leave is is pretty generous, to be honest. Um, you know, as a shift worker, I think I could get up to six weeks when you clustered it all together, all these different yeah. parts that you could get. But uh, yeah, here it's just not it's not not as much. You, you so. can say you can say piss off to any of these questions. Did it, <laughs> did it cost you money to have a baby? Uh, yeah, yes. So, so um, you know, the complex thing about healthcare here is no one can tell you the dollar price before you have a service, right? You can't say, quote me how much this baby is going to cost. You yeah, wait they could for- charge by the kilo, couldn't they, with babies? They could, and lucky she was a little one. So, you know, <laughs> just, just quite compact, a few pounds, you know, here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, no one can give you the price. So... I was still, I think we're still waiting for the bill to come in because it goes off to a billing department and then you later get the bill, it goes to your insurance. So there's a lot of hands that go into it. Sometimes it's about a month before you receive a bill. Um, and then if the yeah, bill's well, big, you'll have to stick her in pageants. Yeah, you're going to have to get the money back, you know, but there's <laughs> options here. Again, there's options here. So <laughs> there's ways of monetizing the child here, I suppose, but I don't think it'll get to that. I think uh, my wife had very good insurance that she was able to put her on yeah. uh, and she's still navigating that, you know, getting the certificate, making sure she's properly on there, but they, uh, and I suppose, like a a, window. I suppose a good way of, so we've talked about working in the system yeah. and how good the system is would be the next question. Uh, given, given what you know about humans and what they require of a health system, are you happy that your baby is going to grow up in America or you think Australian hospitals would be a better serving? Oh, good question. And, you know, I've not looked at that from that angle, Georgie, because I'm, I'm just hoping she doesn't have to go down the hospital. No, system. no, she'll be fine. She exactly. I've, I've looked at it from the route of, uh, of education and, I, and that's where I chose Australia, but I've not looked at it from healthcare. Um, you look healthy. Yeah. She'll be healthy. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're both healthy and I think she's going to be pretty healthy too. Um, yeah. I'm probably going to be biased and go with Australia and I think because it's yeah. a little bit more clear cut and, and it's an expensive system here. It's, you know, one of the most expensive in the world. That's what they're known for because insurance has come, come into play, right? Uh, negotiations go so like doctors providers all those who can actually see a patient can kind of set their own rate so the rate the rates go up and then that gets transferred onto insurance right so eventually your rates kind of go up a little bit i wonder if i wonder if i'd be any more responsible for my own health if i knew i had to pay for it when it goes wrong (laughs) well i i question that too you know we i worked in emergency and and we would get patients come into emergency where you're like you're not paying for anything. Do you have a value on healthcare? But I still see that here. So yeah. I, was just, I, didn't, I didn't think of Americans. Yeah, there's lots of incredibly fit ones, but they're not the, yeah, they've got a lot of bad statistics too. Yes. Yep, exactly. And you, and you positioned yourself, you're doing a doctorate. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing a doctorate in nursing practice. It's uh, basically to be an MP. So the program that I'm on. You Is know, that a nurse again, practitioner? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just a fancy way of saying that, to be honest. You know, we do the master's level in Australia, and I'd, I'd, I'd kind of toiled with the idea in Australia, but uh, our system's not as established with NPs. But the program here was from, from a bachelor's degree through to a doctorate in two and a half years, and I thought I'd be, that'd be a great decision to do. If I don't do that, I'm going to regret it. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm at that point now where I've got five months left, and I'm I'm itching for it to be over and I'm itching for my personal time to come back to me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've got a good, a good peer group that I'm with and, uh, and I'm at that point where it's getting interesting, where I'm getting to make clinical decisions and working 
working with a psychiatrist this semester with adolescence and there's just some interesting pathology that I'm seeing. Psychiatry and, and adolescence. Yeah, yeah. Teenage boys typically sometimes. I've got two of them. Teenage girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet they keep you busy. Oh, aren't they? You well, I'm not necessarily busy. I'm frustrated, is what I am. I love them very much, but crap. Come on, <laughs> you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. They just... Yeah, yeah. And I see that in the inpatient psych unit, and I'm like, okay, oh, was that a no. rational decision no. based on that reaction with your parents, and now you're here in a psychiatric unit? I don't know if it was. Is there an issue? Is there something we need to address? Oh, I watch a lot of Dr. Phil as well. It's never a teenage issue. It's always a family issue. And and that's what I'm learning too. Yeah, the, <laughs> the amount of reports that I have to tell the social worker, let's... Let's do a family meeting or let's let's get the department involved. Something's not right here. You know what's hard with teenagers? Because I don't think mine are diagnosable in any way or need medicine. <laughs> but they're, they're so, so often you're like, is that personality or is that a flaw or is yeah. that a disease? What, what, what is going on with you? And they're still developing. And that's the funny thing. The psychiatrist that I said the, uh, was working with, he said the other day, he goes, yeah, one of the patients said to me the other day, don't you realise that every teenager is bipolar during their teenage years at least once? Yes. <laughs> and he was using he was using that as a teachable moment with me, this psychiatrist. And he said, think about it, think about it. And he stared at me like yes. a real psychiatrist would. And I said, yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. You know, the highs, the lows, the irritability. Yeah, I used to think about death a lot when I was a teenager. Right. Really sad. That underdeveloped frontal lobe, like all of that comes into play. And, and you have to, and the other day I was looking at a patient and I was like, trying to work out what the patient was here for and you know I was taking like the whole hour of the assessment because I'm just like why are you actually here and I had to just stop pathologizing it and saying a lot of this is actually normative like it's very normative behavior and I think you just made an impulsive decision you don't have a history and and I had to rationalize that with the psychiatrist I was like I'm sorry I don't think this person has a diagnosis yeah (laughs) I was a a huge liar between 16 right. and 20, don't know what that was. Oh, wow. Huge lies. Like, wow. And it was always, and it wasn't lies to make me, it wasn't like I joined a band or anything. There were things what, like, what, what kind of lies were they? So mum would go, um, did you have a nice time at the cinema? And I'd go, yeah, until somebody got stabbed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what was the secondary gain that you were going to get out of that? A bit of sympathy? Well, or... and, and the weird thing is I absolutely remember thinking you can't prove whether that happened or not in my head you know like I would be like how would you even know if I'm like and then occasionally someone would pull me for it and I'd be like wow no it did happen and and they go well it wasn't on the news yes because we asked for it not to be on the news (laughs) we we as a collective the the people the teenagers and other people asked for it not to go on the news and they respected that yeah wow wow that's that's deep you better that would be um uh it's a little I, I, different. I, I'm sure you're, you're more uh, uh, remedial with it, but I would be very voyeuristic, I think. I would just like listening to the stories. I think that would and be I think, my thing. And I think that's what's good about it as well is um, I've had a preceptor say to me, I love psychiatry because you can ask questions and just pretend it's part of the job, but it's actually you're just curious. <laughs> and, I, and I am like, oh, why'd you go and make that decision? Or why'd you go and do that? Or, you know, just asking all those kind of deeper analytical yeah. questions, like, is it going to get me to the goal? No, but it paints a picture. Yeah, so yeah. it kind of gives me some insight into decision-making and stuff. But part of it is interest as well. And that's abnormal behaviour has been an interest of mine for such a long time. So yeah. it's, it's kind of natural that I went that pathway. 
But yeah, so you've got you're in psychiatry. Now, this is not in any way, let me make it very clear, and I'll share this from the rooftops. Um, having a mental health issue or a psychiatric disorder does not make anybody violent, but it can change impulse and it can change lots of other things and it can be a very frustrating frustrating system to be in. Yeah. So absolutely um, a very frustrating system. I find that it's something that I've struggled with in hospital here, just the violence that right. can come by somebody who's already really uh, on the brink of frustration and at the limits of all their coping mechanisms to then be stuck in an emergency department with bright lights, not allowed a cigarette, not allowed to phone anyone. Right, absolutely. And, and it is similar. A lot of the places are, you know, we, we have main emergency departments that will process people and, and help them find the right place, right? But we do have psychiatric-specific facilities that have, like, an emergency department. So you can, if, you, if you've got a family member with, or, or the police have somebody who's clearly struggling with a psychiatric or a mental health, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take them straight to a mental health hospital. Yeah, so so in this facility, like in this town, the city that I'm in, we have a one that's attached to the university, and it's a crisis emergency department, and they can self present to that, and that's psychiatric specific, um, and then they can either get admitted through that process, or they can get transferred to another facility depending on where beds are available. Well, and all that tell you what, as that's a bloody lottery if you don't if you don't understand psychiatry. Uh, yeah. I sit there and I have no idea who's going to stay and who's going to get sent home. I don't know how exactly. you do it. Exactly. Somebody exactly. sat there, quiet as a lamb, not saying much, and they get to stay. Somebody else can be saying they're going to do things and they get to go home, and I don't know how you work it. And you know what it is? I think the difference is uh, as a, a nurse on the floor, you don't get time to look through the history, but having a good look through the history, speaking to family, making a good assessment, finding out what kind of uh, support they have in the community, professional and and not professional as well like that kind of helps make that decision but yeah i i used to remember when i worked in an emergency department i'm like that guy was very psychotic we just gave him some meds and now he's allowed to walk out of here like i thought we were going to admit him i know him from the psych unit but he wasn't at that time he wasn't admittable so you know that whole decision making criteria and here you have to be particularly careful because access to weapons is, is a lot more i was common. gonna say like even though i didn't know if that was an issue or if the I know, I know that the guns are a thing, but as an Australian and a British nurse, I can't yes. imagine what I would do if I was going through somebody's valuables when they came in and I found a gun or two. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, <laughs> and thank God it doesn't happen very often. I haven't had that experience. And a lot of the time it's a behavioural health techs that will do the property search, but we have found like bullets in there. Um, you know, I think there has been a couple of people, oh, there was a gun in there. But um, a lot of the time... That isn't the case, and we're very, very thankful for that. Um, But, you know, that is is the risk being here. There's no metal detectors in our facility. I haven't seen anyone get, you know, in Australia we had had the wand. Anybody can have one. You don't need a license, do you? In in my state. So it varies by state, but my state, you don't need a license. You need a license for a car but not for a gun. And it's a concealed carry state, which means legally you can conceal a gun on you. It doesn't have to be visible. Can I ask if you've got one? No, no. I've, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a contentious matter as an Australian, you know, and, and probably for someone that, like yourself, when you come from a society without. Um, so me and the wife were very uncomfortable. And in the first couple of weeks, she, she picked me up, right? And there was a shooting across the road from my workplace. And she was out the front of the hospital Ooh. 
with the dog and, and no one got hurt. It was just like a, a gang fight and someone fired a gun, you know, as dismissive as we can be about that. And she, <laughs> it changed because we that the hospital that I'm in is not in a great side of town. So it is a little rough. Um, so we kind of changed how I would get collected from the hospital, maybe wait for me to call. So I will walk straight to the car. You don't have yeah. to wait in this terrible area. But, you know, there, that is the, that is the risk. Tank. Buy a tank, but yeah, we're opposed to owning a firearm. But we we bit the bullet and kind of went out shooting with some army friends over here, some military friends, because we wanted to kind of get over that fear. And, and they bought out all the big guns, and it was just out in the desert somewhere. And it that would be fun, real cowboy, real wild. And uh, but it was fun. It was fun to kind of get over that fear a little bit. And and military personnel who are very well trained who are like guiding us. But yeah, we have absolutely no desire of. of owning a firearm of, of our own for me yeah. to just I don't think it would make my family any safer if I had one I think it'd be the opposite for me <laughs> I, I don't want to I don't want to handle a firearm under duress that's just not <laughs> just not how I operate I'd probably try yeah, and teenagers. Down I'm them. at the point where we have to hide cigarettes and booze and everything you know just because we've got all these adult vices that we don't want the kids having <laughs> I don't think a gun knocking around would be helpful you, you say that Georgie but for the listeners let me paint a picture there's a couple of uh cases of beer in the background so uh you know I don't I don't know how well you're hiding is and I can see the wine there and I saw your teenagers walking around oh, no, so. that's hard isn't it he's not you yeah, they're, they're going to be fine on a little bit of beer. You're talking about the hard liquor. The okay, hard I'm, liquor. Glad, I'm glad we clarified that. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a story about at the start of lockdowns. That my older one is very um, uh, sporty, so he's uh-huh. that's how he, that's where his self esteem comes from. It's where his connections are, you know. And at the start of lockdown, when they couldn't do any, I was so paranoid that it, it, where's all this energy going to go? So I was, I was right. adding the cigarettes and the beer and he, he didn't, he's never had a girlfriend at the time and that, but I'd got condoms in the house just in case any of his friends needed them and, you know, just, yep. just, just to normalise them. And um, one day he'd gone out very early in the morning and the whole box of condoms had gone missing and I'm like, oh, what's, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> I, was, I was like, you don't need 12, you know, like, you don't need 12. Right? Anyway, <laughs> I found a text messaging thing on his ipad between him and a friend at four in the morning it was one of his friends who was going to do it wow or he thought he was his friend looking at the chat probably wasn't happening it was just bravado um, (laughs) they were frightened that anyone would see them handing over the condoms so the pair of them cycled 40 kilometers to henley beast to do the handover (laughs) (laughs) well they got plenty of exercise that's that's what you're concerned about We'll have to go all the way. So, yeah, that's what, yeah, they, they cycled. Oh, my goodness. 40 kilometres there, 40 kilometres back. At six in the morning, they went out so that we couldn't stop them because it was <laughs> lockdowns and they weren't meant to leave the house. <laughs> and they, but they got their exercise and that's that's the key part of that, right? that's all they got, though, because this mate had put something like, because my son went, who are you doing it with? And he went, oh, there's two potentials and I bought one of them a necklace. <laughs> for a necklace um <laughs> oh this is so cool um thank you so much for talking to us today um yeah absolutely i loved uh yeah i love talking to nurses from all over we could talk forever as but you know the the episode has a time limit and i already made you do 10 minutes more because i forgot to press record <laughs> i hope it helps clarify because you know like i said I, I heard a couple of your guests say I don't know how it is in the states, and I hope that kind of paints We're a little bit, bit clear. I think we've, I think we've assessed. We don't get much holiday, but we do get a lot of money to spend when we are on holiday. You have to be able to negotiate. 
There's only yeah. one gun. And I think the other thing is is really the different level of providers, right? So we have nurse practitioners, we have physicians assistants, and then we have doctors and, and midwives or even providers. Um, so just these different tiers that we don't always have in Australia that don't exist. Um, and they come and kind of just consult just briefly and, and then you yeah. don't always see them. You have to call them up again. You know, I was used to having a, a psychiatrist and some, you know, registrars under them and they were on the unit, you know, the whole day. That's not yeah. the case. So little things like that where, you know, provider and how it's delivered is, is a little different. Um, yeah. But again, there's all these different tiers and it helps reduce some of that cost as well because you're not paying for the doctor for everything. Yeah, and it gives a bit more autonomy. Of, for those of you that like climbing, it sounds good. I never want to do anything. Yeah. Mandatory <laughs> that's enough yeah, that's... for hours lost to education. Um, <laughs> but you're right there at the beginning with your beautiful three-week-old baby and um, you've got a world to build for that family. So anyway, Absolutely. just gorgeous speaking to you. Sniff that little one's head for me. I love the smell of Absolutely. newborn's heads. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, and um, thank you so much for speaking. Thank you, Georgie. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The Swab with Georgie Carroll. That's me podcast, but I also have live comedy shows too. And I've written a book called Off The Charts. If you want to know more about those things, please hit me up on me socials. I've got a Facebook called Georgie Carroll and I've got an Insta called Nurse Georgie Carroll. I've got a website called georgiecarroll.com. Also, if you've got anybody that you think would be a great guest on The Swab, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. And that's all for today from The Swab.